This is uh, part two of uh, a series that we're doing, Freedom from the Iron Furnace. We started it last week, and we're going to continue along those lines tonight. We use several verses as a uh, foundation. I'm not going to go there, turn there, but we went to First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, that God would give us a desire for his word. The sincere milk of the word would be our portion, and we would be those who are hungry for it. And we, we agreed last week that God would indeed do that. He would give that to us because we simply asked. Bible says you have not because you ask not. So we've asked for that divine hunger for the word of God be established in every member of the Ark Fellowship. Another scripture that we went to was Isaiah 41, verse 15. We talked about how God said he wanted to turn us into new sharp threshing instruments with teeth. Amen. That we would become mighty weapons in the hand of God. And that God would use us in our generation. And we would make a difference because of the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives. So these are some of the scriptures that we went through last week. And I want to go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4. And I want to read from there. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Verse 20. Thank you, Lord. And the Lord had taken you, but the Lord had taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance as you are this day. God was talking to Israel, but he's talking to us also. When we came out of the world, it was a spiritual Egypt, the fire, the furnace of the world. God delivered us from that. A lot of times we don't experience some of the things God wants us to simply because we don't understand how free we are or we have been made. You know, Jesus said that who the Son sets free is free indeed. So our portion is divine freedom, divine grace, divine power. But we found out last week that it does not automatically happen. That we must believe what the Word says about us and embrace what God has done in us through Christ Jesus, which is a supernatural thing. We talked about, and I'm not going to go to that scripture, but it's in Mark chapter 4, verses 37 and 41, when Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves. Y'all remember that? He, uh, he used uh, his supernatural power to speak to the wind and the waves. Jesus, and we found out that Jesus had permission to speak to the wind and the waves. That's, that's where his boldness came from. He had permission to do it. And see, what we have to do, and I wrote this down, a failure to discern what is possible when given permission by God is the church's main problem. I'm going to read that again. We need to get that out of our heart. 
a failure to discern what is possible when given permission by God is the church's main problem. God will say that you're the head and not the tail, and we'd say something else. He'll tell us we've been raised up and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and we begin to see ourselves from a natural perspective. When we have been supernaturally touched by God, Jesus believed we found out last week, Genesis 1 and 26, and I want to go there, Genesis 1 and 26. He believed in it. He believed that he was the last Adam and that his portion was whatever God said he could have. And that's where we find ourselves tonight. We want to receive and walk in that which God has ordained that we walk in because we've been given Holy Ghost permission from the living God. Scripture says, Genesis 1 and 26, And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have, let them have, let them have dominion. <laughs> yeah. Over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over all the cattle, and over all of the earth. Somebody say all of the earth. See, that's what Jesus believed. He embraced that. He believed that God had given him permission to dominate in this world, and he simply acted on it. And then he told his disciples, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but he told his disciples before he went back to heaven, he said, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works shall you do because I go unto the Father. I'm enthroned now at the right hand of God representing you there. And because of that, all things have been made possible. Somebody needs to get happy about that tonight. I mean, all things have been made possible. Amen. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us, the church, all things? It's our portion. But we must discern the, that permission has been given by God to walk in Holy Ghost power as we walk in Holy Ghost light. Taste the light of God. This revelation is not cheap. It comes by you and I coming to Him in divine humility. Hallelujah. And in divine love for Him. And making a decision that we're going to live at His feet both in our generation and throughout the eons of eternity. I'm going to get happy by myself. Because see, this is our portion. But the church must begin to develop what the Bible calls the mind of Christ. God says it's possible, then it's possible. Matthew chapter 19. I believe we left off here at Matthew chapter 19. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Jesus, but Jesus beheld them. He looked at them. And he said unto them, with men this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He, he, he has not went back on that promise. He says, all things are possible with God. With men it's impossible. 
Now, we're going to get into the new information now. The Holy Spirit's going to give us light. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's go there. We're going to take our time tonight. And we're going to feast on the Word of God. And we're going to receive what God has for us tonight. I believe that. Verse 16 of chapter 5. Paul writes, Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Hmm. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Now, the early church, through the revelation God had given Paul, made a decision not to view the believer as though he were ordinary. They made a decision, that's why the Bible says, wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. They made that decision that they were not going to view themselves from a natural perspective because something supernatural had taken place in their lives through the new birth. They viewed themselves differently than they did before they got born again. And they, re- they understood that the supernatural was at their disposal. They understood that. Then the Bible goes on to say, Though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now, henceforth, know we him no more. He said when, when Jesus was on the earth, they viewed him, and we found that out last week, they viewed him from a natural perspective. They saw the miracles. They saw the signs and the wonders. They saw him speak to the winds and the waves. But they, their conclusion was, what kind of man is this? <laughs> they didn't understand it. They couldn't put it together. So when, when Jesus was with them, They did not understand his deity. And the things that he had been freely given as an inheritance. But Paul says, we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. So we don't view Jesus from that natural perspective anymore. When after Jesus was raised from the dead, then they begin to understand that he was not an ordinary prophet. Amen. Which was important because in order for them, in order for him to minister to them at the right hand of God in heaven, they had to view him from a spiritual perspective and believe that they were one with him in Christ. They had to to believe that. And so they had to begin to trust in the word of God. If God said something, that's the way it was. Jesus was a first fruit born of the Holy Ghost who by inheritance was the heir of the world. It was his inheritance. Everything that he did when he walked the face of the earth, he knew that he had God given permission to do it because it, was, it belonged to him as an inheritance. 
Now, if he was the first fruit, there is a second fruit, and a third fruit, and a fourth fruit. We'll find ourselves somewhere in line with that, in that number. That's why the Bible says in verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Mm-hmm. See? If any man be in Christ. See, we have to reckon ourselves in Christ. It takes a while to do that sometimes. We have to see ourselves in Christ, abiding in Him, one with Him, raised up with Him. So the Scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. You're no longer ordinary. And Pastor Goodluck used to say that all the time. We're not ordinary. That's where I got that from. We're, not, we're, just not ordinary. we're just not ordinary anymore. When we view ourselves as ordinary, we limit God. Because we don't rightly discern the power of the resurrected. And that resurrection power is made available on a moment-by-moment basis to the believer. We're going to get to heaven, and we're going to be amazed at some of the things that God wanted us to do that we did not do because we simply fell short in our understanding. Scripture says, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge or understanding. Covenant people. So, the believer is a new creature. Not going to become a new creature. We already are new creatures. Amen? Once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, what, what God is doing, as you sit there tonight and doing this series of teachings, is he's feeding you divine bread. And your spirit is ingesting that bread. Now, what has to happen now is our minds, like we found out last week, our minds have to catch up with what our spirit knows. Scripture says we got to come to the point where we cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If God says I'm a king and a priest under Christ, I am. I don't feel like it. I may not feel like it. I may not look like it, but he says I am, so that I am. Well, what does does that do me? Well, what it does is it gives me divine boldness to believe God for the impossible. I begin to readily understand what Jesus meant, that all things are truly possible for me because of the new birth, because of the power of his resurrection. And as we continuously feed on this kind of truth, God begins to take us from glory to glory to glory. He he did not spare Jesus, so he's holding nothing back. The only thing that hinders us, again, is our natural mind and our natural inclination to fear and to be like the disciples in the boat. Amen. 
Ephesians, let's go there. Oh, I'd get to Ephesians sooner or later. Thank you, Lord. Chapter 4. Verse 23. Now Paul writes, he says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So, my mind, my natural mind, has something to do with me in terms of if I'm going to receive and walk in what God has said is mine as an inheritance. Scripture says, be renewed, you be, I be renewed in the spirit of my mind. As I submit myself to God, as I begin to ask him on a daily basis for divine revelation and light in who I am in Christ, God begins to renew my thinking. Where I was Jacob I'm no longer Jacob, but I'm now Israel. I'm now experiencing what God has for me because I've changed my thinking concerning my relationship with God through Christ. Because I'm feeding on truth. These type of things or this type of revelation does not just fall upon you like Kenneth Hagin said, like ripe cherries out of a tree. This has to be a pursuit of the believer. I must become hungry for this. You're hungry. You're here on a Wednesday night. I know you're hungry. So the Bible says in verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness, and true holiness. So this is a God work. The Bible says, I was created, I put on the new man by faith, and I'm created by God in righteousness and true holiness. Scripture says, and we're going to probably get there for in a minute, but we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's how God views you. That's how he sees you. He sees you holy, righteous, and pure because of the power of the blood of Jesus. Okay. Now I got to, I got to, when, when, when I approach God, I got to think like that. I got to rem, remind myself of what has been done for me and whose I am. And as I do that, I begin to embrace what God says about me in terms of righteousness and holiness. I mean, I can have a wicked thought in my carnal mind, but my spirit man, hallelujah, is still pure. Scripture says we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Your spirit cannot be contaminated because you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So you're, that's how God, God views you from that perspective. And when you embrace that, that's when the supernatural...
becomes commonplace. Amen. Which is what God really wants. He wants us to walk in the divine power of the Holy Ghost. Listen to me now. Just like Jesus did when he was on the earth. Again, my natural mind will tell me that's not possible, but Scripture says it is. So I choose to agree with God. Second Corinthians, let's go back there, chapter 5 again. Thank you, Lord. In all things are of God. All of what we're talking about tonight is God's idea. It's not something that we made up, not something that we wanted for ourselves. This is God's idea for his people, for his children. All things are of God. Who had reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and had given us to us the ministry of reconciliation. Can I get Romans chapter 6 and verse 4? This is what God says we need to begin to meditate on. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism under death. Talking about Jesus. That old man has been buried. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. In that borrowed tomb, power of God. Some theologians say the greatest manifestation of the power of God was manifested when God raised Jesus from the dead. That same glory, the Bible says we were raised up to with that same glory. Now, again, my natural mind fights with that because I say, well, man, how can that be? The reason we, we, we struggle with that because we don't discern the mercy of God and the grace of God and the love of God in Christ. Buried with him by baptism under death. Pastor Mike went into the grave, that old man. Amen. That wicked man. That man who did not know God, he, he's dead, hallelujah. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also, see I need to include myself in that process. The scripture says we need to have faith in the operation of God. That everything that Jesus did for us on Calvary and in the resurrection we need to have an understanding of it and begin to embrace it because that's where the power of God is released. It's in us, but it's only released as we walk by faith in this. As we believe these things. So we're raised by the glory of the Father just like Jesus was. This is all God, all the time, newness of life, is our portion as you said there tonight. Again, we must learn to divorce ourselves from our feelings. It's 
a lot of times that's difficult to do, but it's done through surrender. By spending time with God on your face with eyes squarely on the Lamb of God. All this is possible because of Jesus. The same glory that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, God used to give us the new birth. Hallelujah. I'm the only one excited about it. I mean, to me, to me, that's the gospel. Scripture says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. When I understand this, that's when, thing, that's when the impossible becomes my portion. All things become possible. And had given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what we're focusing on here at the Ark Fellowship. Getting souls touched and saved. We receive the new birth, the power of God, the miracle signs and wonders work through us, and then it causes us to reach out to the lost in the power of God. Let's look at verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. God was in Christ. So when he was on Calvary's cross, he was reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Oh God, give us the tongue of the learned. Amen. Give us the tongue of the learned, that we might know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. All God is asking for us to do is open our ears. Hallelujah. And hear what the Spirit is saying concerning the new birth and the power of his resurrection made available to us even today. Even today. So he's committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, let's look at something here in Mark chapter 15. I want you to see something here in Mark chapter 15. I'm not going to keep, keep you too long tonight. But Mark chapter 15, but I really wanted to get to this. And verses 33 and 34. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried aloud, saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, we need to understand something about that whole situation. God, at that point, could not look at Jesus. Because at that point, he was the embodiment of sin. And we need to embrace that because it's the truth. He was the embodiment of sin. That's why he says, God, God has, he truly had forsaken him. This was, this was true. He, he had forsaken him because Jesus was now, and this may be hard for our religious minds to comprehend and receive, but Jesus was now sin. Amen. 
See, when you understand that, it gives you a true uh, revelation and you begin to understand how the power of the new birth is. We begin to understand how precious the new birth is when we understand that our Savior took all the sin of the whole world upon himself at that time. Every sin that would ever be committed, it was upon Jesus at that time. Amen. Jesus was now identifying with fallen Adam. Amen. He was now identifying with fallen Adam because, and I got scripture to back it up, don't give me, I got scripture. But I'm trying to get you to understand, this is what was taking place at that, on the cross. He was now identifying with fallen Adam. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, let's go there. I got it. The scripture says, for he had made him to be sin for us. You see that? God had made Jesus to become sin for us. Who knew no sin? Think about it. He, he didn't know any sin. He had never committed any sin. But God placed the sin of the whole world upon him. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So when we understand that, we understand that when Jesus was on the cross, he was now, listen to me now, the worst sinner that ever lived. Yeah. This is what happened. When you look at it from that perspective, then you begin to understand the beauty of the resurrection and, the, and, and, and what God did for us. So he, he took the, the sin of the whole world because he was bearing all sin ever committed. He is carrying it all. I wrote that in my notes. He's carrying it all. Now, I cannot comprehend that because that's too dark for me. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go down. A lot of times when you teach along these lines, I, I get a lot of different looks because people, they've never seen it from that perspective. But see, when you begin to see it from this perspective, then you can appreciate the power of his resurrection. Four and nine. Now he that ascended, what is it that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? We talk about Jesus' resurrection, but we first must talk about how he went three days and three nights in the lower parts of the earth. 
He paid the full price for all sin that, that he did not commit. He didn't commit any sin, but yet he, he paid the full price for my sin. Every sin that I've and and Bill's sin, and every sin that we've ever committed, Jesus paid that full price. Hallelujah. Now, think about this. He is carrying all of this to the grave and in hell. It's all on him. But after three days and three nights, Matthew chapter 28, I want, I want to go there. After three days and three nights, Scripture says, Jesus said, all power is given unto me both in heaven and in earth. I'll find it in a minute. Yeah, that is. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me both in heaven and in earth. Now, when he speaks like that, after he, after he has been raised from the dead, made righteous by God because he's paid the full price, he begins to speak now differently than he did on the cross. He speaks of not only his humanity, but his deity. He has embraced what God the Father said would happen when he was raised from the dead. He embraced it fully. And he knows, because of what he said, that he has been made right with God. He is no longer has sin in his life. He views himself as God views him. He is raised from the dead without a sin consciousness. Now, think about it. Just three days ago, he had all the sin of the whole world upon him. All the sickness and all the disease, and the full curse was upon him. But yet now, since he's been raised from the dead, he boldly declares that all power is given unto me. He believed what God said about him. He embraced it, and he began to experience that ascended life. Told Mary, don't touch me now. I've yet to ascend unto my father. And Yopha. He had not yet gone to heaven and taken the blood into the Holy of Holies, his blood, and accomplished the work as our great high priest. He saw himself as God saw him, which is our dilemma. The scripture said, and we went over that scripture in Romans 6 and 4, we have been raised from the dead with the same glorious power that Jesus was raised from the dead with. 
I mean, it's, it's not a watered-down power of the Holy Ghost that raised us from the dead. It was the full power of God in Christ that raised us up. The only difference between us and Jesus is that we simply do not understand or even believe or understand the power that was invested in his resurrection. You know, we often teach about the inheritance. And I love to teach about the inheritance. And the scripture plainly lets us know that we are heirs of God. And join heirs with Christ. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to us. Why? Because we have been raised up just like he was raised up. God views us as he views Jesus. Jesus said it himself. He says, Father, I will that you would love them with the same love that you've loved me with. Hallelujah. That's how he views me. That's how he views you. So when I embrace that, and I believe that when, when you're walking down the street and you see a wicked cloud and it's a, a tornado cloud manifesting itself, you're not intimidated anymore. You begin to say, I can do that. I can speak to that storm. Yeah. We did it in Calvary, didn't we? I mean, it's, it, what it is, it's acting on these things. We have not even scratched the surface. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to close right there because we got a lot to do during this series. And uh, you need to hold on because what God, what I see what God is doing is he's giving us line upon line precepts. That hunger that for the word of God that he's given us God, take us when we're at home doing our study time. Help us, oh God, to embrace this and receive what you've done for us. There's a prayer that Paul prayed in the book of Ephesians. I'm not going to pray that, but he prayed that the eyes of their understanding would be in light. And that's my prayer for us tonight. You and I do not understand the things that God has planned for us in our generation. It is, it's going to blow our minds when we begin to walk in this. Stand to your feet tonight. So come back next week and bring somebody with you. Because um, God's truly about to do some things in this ministry. Pastor Angela is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She, she literally on fire, man. I mean, I was like, Sunday, I was like, man, that's a strong anointing. You can just see chains coming off of people. Folk going to new levels of understanding and glory. Father God, we pray tonight that the words that have gone forth tonight would go into our spirit and God change the way we think. May our minds become renewed. May we become transformed 
because of the divine grace and mercy of God through the word of God. Pray tonight, God. Is there anybody tonight who's experiencing any sickness and disease that you want to get, get some prayer for? Praise the Lord. Everybody healthy, huh? You? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. You know, the devil didn't want this message to be preached. He really didn't. I know, I know, I know. Thank you, Jesus, Lord. And we thank you tonight that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord Jesus. We speak to that sickness right now in the name of Jesus. We curse it, even like Jesus cursed the fig tree. We curse that sickness right now in the name of Jesus. And we release the healing virtue of the Lord Jesus Christ from the top of our head to the soles of our feet, God. Begin to break every bondage, begin to break every curse, begin to break all of that. She's been delivered from the furnace of Egypt, God, forever, God, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, that's it. God bless y'all and thank y'all for coming tonight.